Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by... I actually met my wife on CatholicSingles.com, if you can believe that. Really? And about Yes, I had never done that before. Didn't have any problems with dating. Natalie and Aaron met on CatholicSingles.com after they realized that they needed to find someone who shared their faith. Meet other faithful Catholics on the original Catholic dating site. Download our app today for free. Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seen the rise in mindfulness meditation, but not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary to daily examines, Hollow has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content, but you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.com. Dot app slash breadbox. Well, hey everyone, and welcome back to the Lisa Handy and Friends show. Hope you've had an awesome week and very excited to be back behind the microphone today to talk with a new friend, somebody who has written an absolutely beautiful book. And I just know that you're going to love learning more about him and his work. Joining us today is Kramer Soderberg. And Kramer is a college basketball coach at Millican University and the author of a fantastic new book entitled Fill Your Cup for Christ, A Spiritual Journey Sown and grown through sports. He's also a husband and a father of three. Welcome to the show, Kramer Soderberg. Lisa, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's it's a great honor. My wife is obsessed with your shows, your podcast, so <laughs> she's she's thrilled that I'm on here. Hi, and is it Andrea or Andrea? Andrea. 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 Yep, yep. She just loves it. Andrea, love back him. to you. So, well, I'm I'm really psyched to have you on, and so happy to talk about this book. But before we um, before we jump into it, I guess I always like to ask people a little bit about their their spiritual story. And yours plays out in the early pages of this book. But how do you find yeah. yourself right now, where you are in your faith journey? Um, you know, in terms of your relationship with Jesus and and the faith that you practice nowadays. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been a long journey for me. I mean, I think for for most people at least you don't you don't kind of find that that really um exciting uh focused spirituality until you get later on in your life, but I was a uh, you know, born and bred cradle Catholic. My my mom and dad were both um born in Catholic families and and they raised me to, you know, to be your typical Catholic kid and I you know, we went to church on Sundays and, and whatnot, but I think as most um youngsters you, you don't really know um what's going on and you maybe don't understand all that's going or you're bored by things. Um so it took me quite a while to really get going in my Catholic faith. Um, you know, in, in high school I was kind of just doing 
doing what my mom and dad told me to do. And I would go to church in college, you know, like most kids, I think I lost my way a little bit and stopped, stopped practicing, you know, the faith when you're not around mom and dad. Um, but then when I kind of came into the real world a little bit and you, you get a job and you have a wife and you start to have kids, um, the spiritual life becomes a little bit more, um, important and you, you realize, you know, what it can do for you. Um, and only then did I, did I really start to invest in my spiritual life. And then, and then after having kind of a, um, a difficult experience or a trying time at a portion in, in my life after college, did I really start to dive into things? And like you mentioned that, that, kind of is is spelled out in my book but um it it took me some time lisa and and i think i'm sure for most people it does but um i'm glad i'm a 31 year old guy and i feel like i'm i'm at a good place in my spiritual life obviously always trying to grow and and learn more and and become closer to christ but uh, i'm so glad that by god's grace i was able to you know get a good understanding of my faith and and what i really had in the catholic church It's amazing. And I think you're right oftentimes that it's in wanting to give that gift to our kids that we discover it for ourselves. One beautiful component of this book, Fill Your Cup for Christ, um, it it comes across very uh, early in the book as your relationship with your dad. Um, And I love that he um, that he wrote the foreword for the book. Say a little bit more about um, why you decided to do that and, and to bring him into the project. Yeah, yeah, that it was it was such an interesting thing for me. Um, you know, just a little background for those listening. My dad's been a lifetime college basketball coach. He's coached everywhere from you know Division three basketball to he was at the University of Wisconsin and, and St. Louis University, and now he's at the University of Virginia. And they just won a national championship two years ago. You know, so he's had this awesome basketball career as a college coach. Um, you know, so so it's it's one of those things where, you know, when you're writing a book and especially mine that has a sports theme, you know, but it's not totally, you know, only about sports. Um, but I, I was trying to think, okay, who, who would be a good guy to write the forward for it? And the more and the more I thought about it, I said, you know, my dad is such a integral character of this book that, that it might be appropriate for him to do it. Um, and, and the fact that, you know, he had just had this recent success of winning a national championship. I thought, you know, because he was such a a big part of my faith life and my journey, and he will be such a big part of this story in the book that it would only be appropriate that he, that he wrote the foreword. So it is probably unorthodox in, in the, in the, book world and the authorship world of having your father write the foreword, but I just, it just seemed appropriate to me. And I felt like it was, it was what God kind of wanted me to do with it. I don't know how you felt when you were writing it, but for me, oftentimes showing my writing to the people that are closest to me is the most jarring. Like I can give it to a hundred strangers, but you know, to have my husband read it for the first time was, was really a big thing. So I'm sure you felt that way about um, giving this work to your dad. Although, you know, it seems his, his faith journey is so strong. Now he plays into the title for the book because of this, um, this image of the cops. Can you tell us a little bit more about that story and kind of like, um, how that fit into the theme of the book? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, so the title, it's interesting. And, and the more people I talk to who have written books and, and mind me, I am, I am no author, you know, like me, me writing a book is, um, a little bit, 
not a little bit, a lot of bit out of my comfort zone. You know, I'm just a, a basketball coach. And so, so writing this was an interesting process for me just because I really didn't know what I was doing. Um, but from talking to different authors, from what I've gathered is most of the time the title it comes later in the process, you know, become comes at the end or the middle or, or whatever. But for me, the title was the first thing I received before I even like thought about writing the book or what was going to go in it. I, I, I kind of got the title, like, okay, fill your cup for Christ. This is what the title is. And then after that, I, I tried to kind of fill in the blanks of, okay, Lord, this is the title. What do you want me to put in it? Um, and, but the title derives from, um, way, way back when I was in um, sixth grade, um, we had just moved to St. Louis University. My dad got a new job as the head coach at, at St. Louis University, and he was putting on just your typical summer basketball camp. There was, you know, fourth through eighth graders there, and he called together um, the campers at center court and was going to give a little talk. And for me, I was bummed out about it because I didn't want to listen to my dad talk anymore. You know, I wanted to play. <laughs> Um, but he, he, he gave this presentation where he said, all right, campers, I'm going to introduce you to three basketball players. And we were all fired up, you know, he was going to introduce us to the college guys. Um, but he, he started pulling around in his backpack and he pulled out a cup and it was a big 64 ounce guzzler. And he said, this is big John and big John is six, eight, and he's long and athletic. And he set him on the table. And then he, he pulled out the next cup and he said, this is Jimmy. And he's only about 6'2", but he's still got some good athleticism, so on and so forth. And then he pulled out a little Dixie cup and he said, this is, this is little Tony. And he's only 5'10". And he's not very tall and he's not very athletic. Um, and what he did with that, with that analogy is he went on to say, okay, Big John, although he's 6'8", he's kind of lazy. He doesn't work real hard. Um, Jimmy, he's, you know, athletic, but he only does the, the very minimum. And, but little Tony, he's different. He, he works as hard as he can. He, he shows up to practice early. He, he works extra. Um, and he, he did this spectacular image that's still ingrained in my, in my mind where he took these three cups and he poured a tiny amount of water in Big John's cup, in the biggest cup. He filled the, the middle cup about halfway, you know, six ounces or so. And then little Tony's cup, the Dixie cup, he filled that cup all the way to the top and let the water run over the top. And the point he was making with that with that image was it doesn't matter how much potential you have. Um, all that matters is that you get the most out of your potential. So whatever God has given you, whether it be a lot or a little, you have to you have to just fill your cup to the top and get the most out of that potential. And it was just such a profound image to me that it really motivated me at that time as a basketball player, you know, because I had all these aspirations as a young kid playing college basketball and do all this. And it really motivated me. Um, but only later on in my life did I realize that, wow, this this image, this analogy is so profound when it comes to the rest of my life, whether it be um, being as a husband, as a father, as a professional, and then most especially in my spiritual life is fill your cup to the top, you know, be the best dad you can be, be the best husband you can be, be the best basketball coach you can be, and then most importantly, be the best Christian you can be, become the best Catholic that I can be. Um, and that's what inspired the book um, that, man, all that matters in the end is, is getting the most out of your potential and, and doing all that you can do to be the best for Christ's sake. 
Um, and that's that's the title. Well, you've you've mentioned more than once and you do in the book, too, that you're not an author, but I'm going to break the news to you that you're an author. So so uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I know what I'm talking about, Kramer. So okay. um, I trust your opinion. <laughs> so one thing that um, that really struck me in the introduction to the book is you sort of I think you probably wrote it after you had finished the rest of the book and you went back as authors often do. We often write our introductions at the end when we kind of kind of have yeah. like a retrospective of uh, overview of what the experience was of writing it. And you talk about, you know, the process of writing this book and wondering, or maybe, you know, taking it to publishers or whatever and wondering who's your audience. And ultimately you decide yeah. that, that you're your own audience. Um, I'm your audience. Yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm going to be a, a 57 year old woman in about a month. I'll be 57. Um, I'm not who you probably thought of when you wrote this book, but I was highly motivated by it. And I think about mm. your day today, your day job, you know, where you work with young men, particularly in the coaching arena, and maybe not in an overtly religious mentorship, but the impact that you can have on lives um, through the sports process, you know, to just help people to have this philosophy about their life. How does how does having written the book kind of make you better at that work that you do with the men that you coach? Yeah, I think it was actually for me it was a, it was kind of a two-way street. I think writing this book helped me become a better coach because you take, you know, when you write a book, you have to take a lot of time to contemplate different things and okay, how is the best way to communicate this to to those who are going to read the book, um which which in turn helps me with my players, okay? How is the best way that I'm going to communicate, you know, something with my players and and get the most out of them? But at the same time, I think I think my experience as a coach I hope kind of led himself to, to help the book as well, because, you know, as a coach, you you have to, you have to be able to, you know, gauge my players and and figure out, okay, you know, what do they need to hear right now? And in what way do I need to present this? That is, that is most compelling to them. And, you know, like I mentioned, I, I'd never written a book or anything before. And I would, if you probably found my writings from college, they were probably C plus work. Um, So I I wanted to write this book in, in, in the way that I would coach. And I, and I hope that, um, my writing came out that way that, um, I, I just wanted it to be like, I was sitting in front of one of my players or I was sitting in front of, you know, somebody who came to me for advice and, and I, and I coached them. Um, I think as the book goes through, you probably see that more in the, in the fourth quarter of the book where my coaching mentality kind of comes out a little bit in the motivational side mm-hmm. and the, you know, really trying to push you. Um, but I, but I, I think it, it was a both and kind of thing. This, this book definitely helped me through my contemplation of, you know, becoming a better coach and, and helping my players grow as, as obviously athletes, but, but also students. And then most importantly, people. And then I also think my experience as a coach hopefully lend itself to, to helping this come across in a way that can be easy, easily understood um, and motivational. It really is. And I think um, I have so many favorite chapters, but one of the ones that really spoke to me was a chapter that you wrote on priorities. And I'm just wondering for somebody who's so busy, so you've got, you know, you're a son, you're a husband, you're a father, you're a coach, all these things that you've got going on. How do you prioritize your kind of your personal relationship with Jesus in your life? Yeah. Um, it, it, it's challenging for sure because, you know, it's, um, it's one of those things where, 
when you're, you know, you're chasing professional goals, it's so easy for those goals to kind of be put to the forefront and say, man, I got to do everything I can um, in this moment to try to, you know, chase down those dreams and goals that I have as, as a profession professional as a basketball coach. Um, but then, you know, then you also remind yourself, man, you know, these, I got a five-year-old son, a three-year-old son and a one-year-old daughter. And it's like, Oh, these moments are going to pass by so quick. I want to give, I want to give them, you know, my all because it's going to be gone so soon. And then, you know, then you also want to give your wife everything you can. So it's challenging that way. But at the end of the day, you realize, man, oh man, you know, all this worldly stuff is important, but at the end of the day, my eternity is most important. So then, then you kind of start thinking, you know, should I give my spiritual life the most attention? And I believe you should, but the way I portray it in that chapter is, um, God, God doesn't want us, I don't think to categorize him as first on our priority list, because by doing that, we kind of minimize him to one category. And if we do that, you know, how much is enough for God, you know, and I start thinking about, okay, if I go to adoration in the morning for 30 minutes and say my prayers at night, is that enough for God? I don't think so. You know, I think, I think God wants all of me in every second of my life. So the way I kind of um, managed that chapter was to, to bring a message of God doesn't want to be first on your list. He wants to be a part of every aspect of your priority list, you know, so he wants to be a part of my prayer life. Of course, he wants to be a part of my family life and of my professional life and of my athletic life and, and everything in between, you know, so that's how I try to approach it is making God an aspect of every aspect of my life where I'm constantly aware of his presence, constantly pondering um, his gifts and his glory so that my whole life can become a prayer. My whole life, every aspect of it can be spiritual and not just those 30 minutes that I I have at adoration or at daily mass. Um, And that, that what I think is so important. And, you know, when we hear, you know, pray without ceasing, I think that, that is the message of that is that our whole life can be a prayer and we can do it without ceasing every moment, every second of every day, as long as we kind of keep our awareness, our attention fixed on him and make him a part of our whole life. Um, so that's what I try to do. I, I, I fail often, Lisa, I fail (laughs) often, but, um, but I try as best I can to always be aware of his presence and just make him a part of every aspect of my life. You have a sentence in the end of that chapter. You say, if you truly desire to become holy, the only way to do so is to learn to prioritize God in a way that makes him not just a segment of your day, but allows him to be a part of every aspect of your day and your life. And I think um, one great gift of this book is that you show in a really cool and accessible way how to do this. I really want to point our listeners Mm -hmm. to to fill your cup for Christ. I know you do um, you do some speaking too, Kramer, when you're not on on the uh, basketball court. How can people best get in touch with you to kind of maybe um, learn more about the book or to possibly bring you out for a talk? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I'm on um, Twitter, which is, you know, a good way um, to contact me and follow me um, at Coach um, K. Sodi. 
um, is my handle. But if you just look up Kramer Soderberg, you'll find me. Um, and then I'm also, I also have a website put together, um, which is just KramerSoderberg.com. Um, you know, and that's a good way to get a hold of me. Um, and then, um, my email as well. Um, you can find us on, on the Millican website, but I would say Twitter and, and my website right now are the two best ways. Um, and I love, like you mentioned, I, I really enjoyed writing this book. I, I did. Um, but I really, really enjoy speaking um, to all different audiences that, you know, I've done um, Newman centers on college campuses. I've done, you know, confirmation stuff, um, retreats and different things. So I just enjoy spreading my faith. And um, as a coach, um, you know, I have that loud coach voice that is probably annoying to a lot of people, but I think <laughs> it can, can be be helpful as a speaker, but no, I really enjoy um, talking about my faith and, and motivating folks, not just, you know, on the athletic side, but more importantly on the spiritual side. And I, I, I take a lot of joy in that. Well, coach, I'm hoping to get out to courtside seats at a Millican game sometime soon and get, uh, get my book double autographed it. by you. But I'm, I'm just really you grateful and, and grateful for the witness that you give and for the ways that you've inspired me personally. And I know you will inspire our listeners, too. So I hope God's going to continue to richly bless the work that you're doing. I appreciate it so much, Lisa. Thank you. Well, thank you. Well, friends, that is it for this week's episode of Lisa Hendy and Friends. You can find all of our previous episodes, information on today's guest, Kramer Soderberg, and this awesome book, Fill Your Cup for Christ, and my contact information at my website, lisahendy.com. Until next time, have an awesome day, and God bless. Looking for exceptional coffee? Delivered fresh to your door? We have the answer. Our friends at Grim Bean Coffee produce small batch artisan coffee using top tier coffee beans. The coffee is roasted when you order, guaranteeing the freshest coffee possible. Check out Breadbox Roasts, a new line of Catholic themed coffees available at www.grimbeancoffee.com forward slash red box media experience coffee like never before.